everybody, this is James. And Marco. And Nabil. And this is the Movie Pals Podcast, podcast number 132. Today we're going to be continuing our Francis Ford Coppola Corner with a review of the film Rumble Fish from 1983, followed by a review of the new George Miller film 3,000 Years of Longing. So without further ado, let's jump into our Francis Ford Coppola Corner. With The Outsiders, I very much tried to make a classically made film and I obeyed all the rules, but just so I wouldn't go crazy, Rumblefish was an opportunity to make something a little wilder, a little more experimental, that, that, that just didn't tell the same old methods over and over again. The film is in black and white, it has uh, sexuality, it has profanity, uh, young people. Uh, it, it, it's, its point of view has to do with the fact that I believe in our society, as probably in the world today, uh, youth is never given any possibility for a future. So I wanted to make a kind of anarchistic film about youth, somewhat from, from that point of view, uh, and a film that was anarchistic even in the style of the film. All right, guys, welcome back to the Francis Ford Coppola Corner. If this is your first time listening to us here, this is um, a segment we've been doing for a couple months now, right, guys? I want to say? Give or take. Give or take. That's because <laughs> we're the... Francis Ford Coppola podcast. Podcast, just Absolutely. to let you guys know. Heard on the flip first. side, there. Yeah, and you've we're going to show the film close. friends that uh, they're not going to push <laughs> us out of our territory. No, this is a this is this is like a gang war, just very much like Rumblefish and the Outsiders. That's right. Um, just to let you know, though, that we are reviewing all of uh, Francis Ford Coppola director's films, starting with uh, Dimension Thirteen all the way to his new film. Um, last episode we reviewed the outsiders the complete novel version of that movie which also released in 1983 um and uh we're gonna give you a little bit of a trivia i guess or some history on what in between what was going on there's not much on this one because once again it was shot back to back with the outsiders so it was a little bit harder for us to get you some information that really pertain to it but i mean some of it's kind of interesting so here you go. Uh, Coppola wrote the screenplay for the film with S.E. Hinton on his days off from shooting The Outsiders. He made the films back-to-back, retaining much of the same cast and crew, particularly Matt Dillon and Diane Lane. Rumblefish is dedicated to Coppola's brother, August. The film is notable for its avant-garde style with a film noir feel, shot on a stark, high-contrast black-and-white film using the spherical cinematography process with allusions to French New Wave cinema and German Expressionism. Rumblefish features an experimental score by Stuart Copeland, drummer of the musical group The Police, who used Musync, a new device at the time. The film bombed at the box office, earning a meager $2.5 million against a $10 million budget, and once again, aggravating Coppola's financial troubles. Seems like he could not catch a break sometimes. He'd, do, he'd, he'd make a movie that seems like he wouldn't make a... Like, like Outsiders wasn't crazy, you know? Like, but he critically, made not too bad. Yeah, but yeah. the money at the box office. But then he just went here and just bombed again, like, oh, man, yep. you know, like, come on, come on, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> so without trying further ado. Uh, in trying oh, to sorry, save a ahead, buck, Marco. he ends up spending more, so. True. And I feel like he's in, like, these spurts. Like, I think he had a really good experience with The Outsiders, so he's like, I'm going to do another one, you know, like, because he shot it, like, in Tulsa, too. So it's like, okay, well. Without further ado, though, let's get into our review of Rumblefish. Rusty James. Diff Wilcox looking for you, Rusty James. No, no, I... He says he's gonna kill you, Rusty James. Man, me and you, we, we could've run this whole side of town if you just gave me a chance. You know, if you're gonna lead people, you have to have somewhere to go. I wonder why somebody hasn't taken a rifle and blown your head off. The motorcycle boy. You always try so hard to be like your brother, Rusty James. Hey, my brother's the coolest. Why do you dislike me so much? I mean, I've always tried to be your friend. You know, you might have made it a while on the Motorcycle Boys rap, but you ain't got your brother's brains. So, Rumblefish, sitting at a 75% on Rotten Tomatoes. The story for this one goes, an absent-minded street thug, Rusty James, struggles to live up to his legendary older brother's reputation and longs for the days of gang warfare. This, once again, directed by the great Francis Ford Coppola as we continue our Coppola corner. Uh, it's written by S.E. Hinton and Francis Ford Coppola. 
and it's based on the novel by S.E. Hinton as well. Uh, this movie released in October 21st, 1983. It had a budget of $10 million, as we mentioned before, and of course, unfortunately, only grossed $2.5 million. Womp womp. Yeah. So this one stars Matt Dillon returning once again because he worked with uh, Francis Ford Copeland, The Outsiders, and he takes on the role as Rusty James. Mickey Rourke, a very young Mickey Rourke, very young and handsome Mickey Rourke, as the motorcycle know, boy. God, man. <laughs> Diane Lane as Patty, who was also in The Outsiders. Dennis Hopper as father, or pretty much the father figure of Rusty James and the motorcycle boy. Diana Scarwood as Cassandra. Vincent Spano as Steve. Nicholas Cage as Smokey. Chris Penn as BJ Jackson. And Lawrence Fishburne as uh, Midget. William Smith as Officer Patterson, Glenn Withrow as Biff Wilcox, and Tom Waits as Benny the Bartender. So you know as always, that. you know how to include Tom Waits. Oh, we had to, man. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, he's, he's just one from, from the, the heart. Film. If I ever see him in anything, I'm, I'm calling him out. You know, a ran- random fact, but uh, Heath Ledger actually um, created his Joker voice uh, based off of how Tom Waits speaks. He used that as a baseline. So. I can see that actually. I yeah, there's that. a there's a specific interview I'll send you guys. You'll you'll see. Anyway, nice. So again, we're gonna go over who's seen the movie and you know what their experience has been with the movie. Bill, have have you seen this one before? And have you have you read the book? Uh, no, to both. Yeah, first time I've uh, seen it or read. Uh, didn't re- haven't read the book before. But honestly, until we started doing this, I'd not even heard of the film. So this is actually all kind of a, a new thing for me. All right. What about you, James? Have you seen this movie before or did you read the book? Uh, no to both too, man. Actually, I, I wasn't. Um, I, I, I've heard of this movie before because it is on the Criterion Collection. So um, if you ever go to like Barnes & Noble during their 50% off uh, things, it's always there. But uh, it's never been one of those movies that I've been like, I got to see this. And I didn't even know it was a Francis Ford Coppola movie. So. Uh, no, I've never seen um, the movie before or the book. I was actually shocked to hear that this came out the same year as The Outsiders. So, mm-hmm. what about you? Uh, no, same. I'd never heard of it before. I'd never seen this version. And uh, I would know about the Barnes Noble Criterion 50% off sale. So, a little history about me. So, mayhaps you've come across it then. Yeah. Oh. I don't know. No, I've, <laughs> I've never heard of it. First time. Really, I didn't really think Francis Ford Coppola did a lot during the eighties. So we are we are realizing though he did actually he did yeah. quite a bit. We're like, dang, this is where it just was. We thought he was out there uh, on uh, you know Napa making remember, his wine. Remember, we had right? said something like, "Man, I, I early on we're like, what's our expectations or something?" And I was like, "I don't think he did a lot." And like, there's a big span. I'm like, "No, he was pretty active the whole time." Yeah. So. Yep, he was there, dang, just so. you know, slinging bombs. Just didn't know. We just didn't know. Slinging yeah. <laughs> bumps. <laughs> so, Nabil, uh, what did you think about this movie? Uh, I liked it. I thought it was a good take on a, a film noir style. Um, it was very... I agree that it was it was a bit avant-garde, but definitely I liked that aspect of the film noir of the mysterious loner that comes into town and then the whole... Uh, kid brother trying to look up to him wanting to be him like it, the, you don't know where the story is going to go but you know how it's going to end mm-hmm. you know and so i find that that whole i mean for lacking of any better word like the whole direction that he's giving this film i i like that aspect of it of what he was doing what he was showing um i, I actually enjoyed the film more than i thought it would nice what about you james I did not like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like I, I saw the French New Wave out of it because once again, you yeah, know, like the film background. So it it, it does a really good job away. with that. There's <laughs> there's a lot of like like the whole movie has almost like a dreamlike feel to it all with the mm, use of smoke kind of. and clouds yeah. and passage. I think this is one of his better looking movies though. I'll give him that. Like we were talking about how we didn't like some of the cinematography in The Outsiders. I think that a lot of that's rectified in this movie where there's a lot sure. of good shots in this, especially with some scenes have a use of color as well. Right. And it really pops out and kind of gives you the meaning behind it, which I liked. Uh, I just thought it was really slow paced. Um, it just wasn't for me, man. Like, I, I can't complain, though. I thought um, Mickey Rourke kind of kills it in this one. Doesn't yeah. he? It's just like, 
He kind of has this. I can't even describe it. Like he talks so softly, and his voice. I did not expect that because I haven't seen. I don't like think I've seen Mickey a Rourke. young Mickey Rourke guy. This might no, be the first movie I've seen. What is my part? Not in the yeah, 80s, I'm at used least. To like, I'm used to like his, oh man, no offense to the guy, but like he he really did some damage to himself. And like, he's not quite the same. Even his voice sounds really messed up now. And it's like, this guy's, this guy rem- reminded me of like a Marlon Brando almost, man. I was like, He Damn. went through such so, a huge change between the 80s and That's insane. And like you see him now. There's no way I would ever, if I didn't know, I would never connect those two people. Like He almost looks like oh, a young Bruce Willis, which is weird. Almost sounds bit, like yeah. him too. Yeah, well. Yeah. He's just sweating uh, the whole movie here, though. Yeah, entire movie. <laughs> Hot Everyone's Tulsa, sweating, man. by the way, in this movie. Everybody cannot stop sweating. I, I knew you would catch that because I caught. And that I was there for it. I was just like, man, these guys are making me get on, on bothered. So, what about you, Marco? I didn't really like this movie either, man. I'm kind of with you on this. I there are, there are aspects obviously that I liked about it. I I thought some of the acting was pretty good, but like like you said. Um, Mickey Rourke stole the show. There's a there's a quote that he says towards the end of the movie where he says, even in in the most primitive uh, civilizations, they have a fascination for violence or something like that. I'm kind of botching the quote, but he says something like to that degree, and it just for some reason that quote stuck with me, and I really liked it. I was watching this with my brother too, and like we both like kind of agreed like that was a really good fucking line, man. Of everything in the movie, yeah. like I really liked that line. Um, I grew in the build cinematography, like the the whole like noir feeling to it. The fact that it was all in like black and white, and that really like gave it a, a the movie a personality, which I felt worked. But like the plots, the you know the storyline, it it didn't really work for me. Uh, again, some of the dialogue, I guess it it didn't really work for me either, with the exception of whenever Mickey Rourke was talking. Like it, it just. <laughs> It it felt like uh like it was I know it was it was low budget, so it's kinda shot like a stage play, but I mean it's like you don't really have to act as if you're in a stage play, you know? Like act it out like you're in a But movie. I almost feel like that's some of the actors they used to in a way. Like for some for <sighs> yeah. some reason I didn't think uh Matt Dillon was that great in this one. I thought he was better in the outsiders. I a hard hard agree on that. Yeah. I think it's I think he played it different than I mean obviously it's a different character but yeah. I think they they also have some kind of merit to it but it's like I actually enjoyed seeing Matt Dillon in this film because of his take of from from watching him in the outsiders of being like what everybody else looked up to like he was the 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 cool guy he was the greaser at the point right and everybody wanted to be like they him and now Rusty he's like James so many times they do. They do say his name quite a bit, but I, was I mean, getting, and I was getting uh, like, sorry, I didn't mean to cut. I was, I was getting offended a little bit. So. I'm, just gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna call you uh, James Ring from now. Just, hey, James Ring. Hey, did you guys hang out with James Ring? As long just as it's constantly. not Rusty James. Yeah, as long as it's not Rusty James. Rusty James. James. Sorry, go ahead. Slash Rusty. Catch up on your on your thought there. Sorry. No, I mean, it's a different take. He's supposed to be playing, you know, the younger guy. He's he's not as confident. He's trying to portray that he's some kind of tough guy and bring back be a leader of the gangs. I mean, you know, spoiler alert for the ending, but essentially, um, he he's told that he's no leader. You know, at the end of the film and. That's because yeah. he's he's not, um, and he kind of finds resolve in that, I guess, in some way, realizing that he's not as good as his brother. But I, I think that it's just a different take on the character, and I think he plays him well. Insecure, tries to portray that he's confident, but he's not. Tries to portray that he's tougher than he really is, you know. And it really just wants to have his 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 uh, brother around because he doesn't even really trust his friends. So I, I liked his take on on the character. Well, I mean when. You look bad compared to Nicolas Cage. You know, you've, you've gone wrong. <laughs> so we, we talked a little bit about what we liked and what, what we didn't like. Was there anything else that you guys wanted to see more or less of, James? Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I thought it was just really slow. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Yeah. Like it All takes right. a long we'll, time we'll, to go around. It's a lot of yeah. it's a lot of monologues, too. Yeah. Um, I like the dream sequence, though, or when uh, Rusty James is knocked out. I know that's like a pretty good technological way that they film that. That's one of the harder yeah. shots that they did. There's yeah. like a it's body cast on him or something to lift him around and shit like that. Mm. So that's actually pretty interesting. I did like the dreamlike feel of it too. The, the the feeling of it worked for me. Yeah. Um. But just just overall, it just it just didn't work for me. Truth be told, guys. Mm. So. What What about you, Nabil? Anything else that 
you would have wanted to see more of, less of. Yeah, I mean, I I like that Francis Ford Coppola is still trying to, you know, push push the envelope with the tech, you know, from from all these other films. Like like you said, James, that scene was not. I mean, now it's more commonplace, and and uh, when they're trying to do like a imaginary or dream sequence, but back then, you know, eighty three, like that's not something you really saw. Um, so yeah. that was that was really interesting. Just him still trying to be innovative, um, but I mean. I, I love the shots. Like James said, cinematography was great. The visuals were really good. Way better than uh, The Outsiders, for sure. Just, I think I think the film noir aspect of it, being in black and white, and like those touches of colors, like that helped with it to make it seem a bit more kind of in, in the... Uh, give it the kind of bit more uh, gravitas to right. what he was showing in the film. Um, the, the plot is simple. I'm not saying it's like the, the best plot in the world or anything, like it was the strongest thing, but I enjoy it. It's... Again, it's it's if he's going with that kind of French New Wave kind of thing, like those are all the same kind of plots. Like it's the mist, the random guy, and you know everybody's just kind to trying to find talk himself, about him. Like, find, yeah, yeah, like it's yeah. all the kind of same thing. So uh, you're not going to expect much from that. I did like how it ended. You know, I thought that was in a a, a nice little twist. I mean, not that oh, it really was a twist, but you could see that it was going that way. But a from a character, <laughs> from a character perspective, for Rusty James, like what he does afterwards, and he kind of drives off, like. It was cool to see that. You know, I haven't seen one of those kind of films in a uh, in a while, so maybe that's just me too that cool, I've kind of enjoyed but kind that. Cool, predictable, also. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. It was, I didn't. Re- I mean, like his brother has gone. He is. Is it almost like because his brother traveled and he saw like what the rest of the world is and his his different his views on the world are a lot different and he's mm-hmm. like and he's yeah. freeing this stuff because he's like they're trapped they don't belong here and it's kind of mm-hmm. like how he felt like living in that town. That's why yeah. he's compared. Is that, to that's fish. how I took it. Right. Yeah. That that if they if, the if they were fish. to leave that place <laughs> and able to explore, then they wouldn't be fighting amongst other gangs all the time. They'd find yeah. you know their, yeah. their way, their path in life, and that's so. D- that's what. He so calls, my question is though: It does Motorcycle Boy do that in order to free his brother to get out of there? Is that I, what I it think, is? I think so. Yes, and also because he feels like it's not too late for his brother, but it's too late for him. For him, you know? yeah. Like he yeah. he had come to that realization too late. Well, I also just real quick also really like the camera angles that he used and the yes. camera tricks. The close up shots were really good. Mm-hmm. I liked all the scenes inside the the billiards where they do the close ups of of uh, the cue balls. Those are some and, of the better scenes in the in the yeah. diner or whatever yeah. that place is. The bar, the bar. The bar. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. those were really well shot the way he did those. Is it also because Tom Waits is in those scenes too? Probably. Absolutely. Yeah, it adds on to it a lot. Tom Waits is the cherry on top for any couple of film in the eighties. <laughs> From what I have seen bit. so far, just to let everybody know, since we're all becoming Coppola scholars, right. like we yeah. know, you know what I mean? Like this is it. So, mm-hmm. so I, I think we've pretty much we've, we've done a pretty good comparison to his other films. So, do, do you guys think that this movie is underrated, or do you guys think it deserved a bomb? I'm not surprised from a theater perspective that it was uh, that it bombed. Like it's. This isn't going to be your typical film. People are going to go run to the theaters, especially compared to the <laughs> outsiders. So, yeah. so no, I'm actually surprised um, at the budget <laughs> as a size it was for ten million dollars. Since we're only there's only like a couple real like locations that he shoots this, and they're yeah. all younger actors. But I mean, I get it. There's some technical shots and stuff in there, but I feel like the budget was kind of high for what he was doing. I feel like he could have done it less. True. Um, but like but no, I'm not surprised that it bombed. This is definitely isn't a. A film would, you say it's, would you say it's underrated though, Nabil? Because obviously you liked it a lot more than us. I yeah, I think that it's a it's a probably right. Yeah, I think it's it could be considered a cult classic to to an extent. Just this kind of Which, theme of, of the film. Technically, it has become more of a cult hit as well. Yeah, that's the Criterion release. So oh, that's true. Yeah. Um, kind of answered it myself there. I, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't uh, think it's really underrated. I didn't like it, like I said. I see why it bombed. I mean, I'm a soft spot for Coppola. I don't think it deserved to bomb, but I see why it did. So, um, and no, yeah, I I don't think it's underrated. I, you can totally skip this movie. If anything, <laughs> I think it's a bit overrated because I, I I. But once again, I think I wrote in my review. I think this is a movie. If I rewatched it again, I'd probably pick up a lot more things it more. and maybe yeah. appreciate it more down the line. Yeah, like a fine. I feel like this is a film that you'd appreciate another watch, James. Um, yeah. I don't know if you, you know, it's definitely not something I think like any of us would f- call uh, fall in love with, but I think it, from an artistic perspective, yeah. you probably would enjoy it more a second go around. Well, with that being said, we've reached the moment where we rate the film on a one to five star rating. 
I'll start with uh, you, James. What do you rate Rumblefish? I give this one a two out of five. All right. What about you, Nabil? I was a bit more generous. I gave it a 3.5. Wow. All right. I'm smack dab in the middle. Um, I give it a two and a half. Yeah. And that half is just because it's Francis Ford Coppola. Anyone else would be a straight two. So. <laughs> I'm starting to think we're getting a little biased too sometimes. I'm like, man, yeah, I got to. Man, mean, just a little. So much of stuff. <laughs> Yeah, because we know he's so trying, connect- man. dude. I feel connected to this young Italian. You, man. you can see it. Though. That's what's really good about uh, for for any of the listeners that has been following through with us. Um, that's what's really been good about going through this process of seeing all these different films. Because, like we said, we didn't know what he was doing in the '80s, and now we're looking at it. And we can see the quality of his filmmaking still there, even though the films aren't doing well um, from a box office perspective. He's still yeah. experimenting. He's trying to do something different, yep. and so it still is. Francis Ford Coppola, but he's also doing something different. So it's it you get mixed feelings because you're like, I know you can do the best thing ever, but also you know you so you want him to do always great things, but then you also like, okay, we get you want to do your artistic thing, but <laughs> you know how much is too much art, you know? Yeah, Francis Ford Coppola light is what we're watching. All right, everyone, and before we move on to our main review, listen real quick for a word from our sponsor. Let's stop here for a moment to let you all know about Newsly. Newsly is an all-in-one audio super app for iOS and Android. It picks up the most trending articles on the web on topics you choose at any given moment and reads them to you in a natural human voice. For the first time ever, the entire web becomes listenable all in one place. Browse articles from topics you choose and start playing. You can follow any topic as specific as you like from sports, tech, business, science, Bitcoin, or heck, even the Kardashians. Newsly will find you the latest articles and read them to you aloud. They even have digital radio. Did we mention they also have podcasts from over 80 countries? Well, they do. And guess what? The Movie Pals podcast is there, too. I started using Newsly as my default podcast player, and I can't think of ever going back. Download and use Newsly for free now from www.newsly.me or from the link in our description. And make sure to use our promo code TMPALS. That's T-M-P-A-L-S to receive a one-month free premium subscription. Newsly, stop scrolling and start listening. And now for our review of 3,000 Years of Longing. What is your heart's desire? I do have a question. What does one do with three wishes? You'll see. wishing that is not a cautionary tale we all have desires even if they remain hidden from us but it is your story and i cannot wait to see where it goes oh how it might end hello hello he'll be staying for a while 3,000 Years of Longing, currently sitting at a 69% on Rotten Tomatoes. The film is about a lonely scholar on a trip to Istanbul, discovers a djinn who offers her three wishes in exchange for his freedom. This film is directed by George Miller, who has done Witches of Eastwick back in 87, Bay Pig in the City in 1998, Happy Feet in 2006, and most recently Mad Max Fury Road in 2015. Uh, this is also written by George Miller, who's, if you didn't know, also wrote Babe in 1995, Happy Feet Part 2 in 2011, and the upcoming Furiosa, hopefully uh, slated for 2024. It's also written by Augusta Gore. This is based on the short story, The Djinn in the Nightingale's Eye by A.S. Biat. This came out in theaters on August 26th. Isn't currently streaming anywhere yet, so you got to catch it in the cinemas. Um, but it is starring... Idris Elba as a Jin, Tilda Swinton as Alethea Binney, Amido Lagum as Queen of Sheba, Burku Golgedar as Zafir, Matteo Bocelli as Prince Mustafa, Khan Guldar as Murad IV, Jack Brady as Ibrahim, P. 
Pia Thunderbolt as Esgi and Anna Adams as Sugarlump. So, guys, what did we think about this film? I'm going to start with you, Marco. Uh, what were your thoughts on this movie? What were my thoughts of this movie? Uh, I got to tell you, man, this one was definitely not meant for me. Not my fucking cup of tea. No. I was bored off my fucking ass watching this fucking movie. <laughs> I, uh, I, I I went in blind and... I went with my brother. I saw both. I saw both. I don't movies. think you would have gotten much from the trailer if you were if you were blind. They didn't really yeah. tell you much either. So I'm, I'm almost. I'm wondering if he's ever going to go to a movie with me again because I made him watch like <laughs> two bombs back. He's like, back. "What are you guys doing on this?" Podcast? Yeah, he's like, "Fuck, man." No, um, dude, I I guess the story just didn't work for me, man. Like it it's it's cool if it worked for you know any anybody else, but it just wasn't for me, dude. Like there were a lot of plot holes in the story that i just like i was like okay i guess we're just gonna fucking leave this unresolved um the the narrative the 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 way it you know the story was told i was like i could think of different ways to do this better but anyway uh yeah just not for me man like the acting was pretty good i'll give it that you know to give it some positives uh tilda swim you know she's always good in everything she's in uh it is elba like fucking man crush number twenty thousand for me like he's well, no, he's not that low. He's he's pretty high, but I'm just saying I have a lot of man crushes. Anyway, yeah. he, he's he fucking killed it. Also, uh, obviously, even all the actors that I didn't even really know, like uh, I, I like the fact that it used like unknowns, at least to me, for me, unknowns. Um, that was pretty cool. But what a waste of talent for uh, for this movie. Um, in all honesty, so that's it. Interesting take. I didn't expect uh, expect that from you. Okay. Yeah. Well, what about what about you, James? What were your thoughts on the movie? I didn't realize that it was. I, I was the the trailers made this look like it was going to be something a lot different. Yeah. Truth be told, agree. So that's why I don't think you missed out on anything, Marco, by going in because technically we all went in blind. Technically, because this this came out a lot different than I thought it was going to be. It was a lot. It was a lot more different. I would say. I didn't hate it. I didn't like it though. So I liked it more. I saw it with Mikey. Mikey didn't like it. I liked it more than Mikey because I think maybe I was into more of the long lost love kind of thing. Is the whole kind of theme of the whole movie? I guess you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's ba- like I said, it's basically a romance film, which is fucking. That's why Marco different phases. I, I was, of I was it trying too. to tell Marco like, yeah. oh, check it, check this one. Um, <laughs> it 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 was the I think the narrative structure. Is what hurt it for me, because like it mm. it appears like it's I mean this isn't spoiling, it's told in like the Jin is telling her like this is how I came here right and this is like there's three stories that lead to it and I I felt like it was trying to go for like a uh like the Arabian Nights kind of feel to it all yeah does that that's make how sense I felt too yep. um but just for me it just I almost feel like if it had bride. gone. If it had gone from like the beginning to the lead to it, but then that would have removed the Tilda Swinton part of it. I think that would have been better if it was in chronological order, to tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. Just kind of seeing his journey up to it. But then it makes sense because he's kind of telling it. But I agree, though. It's acted really well. Cinematography-wise, it's actually shot really well, too. It's got it means yeah. George Miller, for fuck's sake. I just thought it was going to be more... I don't know. It's kind of weird to say, like, I think it was... I thought it was going to be more, like, magical. I don't know. Does that make sense? Like... Huh. <laughs> I don't know, man. I thought there was going to be it's a more mysticism, even. Like, yeah, kind of yeah. did. I'm like, okay, but then it, it turns out it's more of like a thought provoking. It's a love story. Yeah, yeah Europe's the whole thing's a love story. So, yeah. and I just did not think it was. I mean, shit, the three thousand years of longing. You would think I would know how to read a title. <laughs> I agreed. Yeah, but I was like, no, nah, that don't mean shit. That just means he's been <laughs> stuck for a long time. No, yeah. I'm dumb. Uh, and then you know, on top of that, they Amazon left this one to die basically by no advertising and. Like yeah, I mean, we didn't year. even know it was actually coming out this week until like I think two weeks ago, like when yeah, the last pod was. Hey, it's actually coming out. You should probably yeah. see that. Right. Like, I didn't know George did? Miller was actually doing another movie in between Furiosa, Furiosa and I was like, oh, yeah, he announced right, it back in 2019. He he's wanted to make this movie for a long time, so it's different. Definitely like a uh, different kind of uh, storytelling for him too. He's not. I don't recall anything like this from his. Uh, I mean, he's he's done a handful of films, but there. This is a definitely more unique from his other artistic styles that he's done. Which which I have to give him credit for because like he's done such 
different films. Like, like yeah, he's yeah. mostly known for Mad Max, but he's also made some straight yeah, up animated films, films. Some yeah. randos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Babe movies. Happy Feet Happy too, Feet. man. Like, so he's done Kid <laughs> which is Eastwick. I didn't even realize that was him. Mm-hmm. I'd rather watch those like, movies than this. Truth be told. Um. Well, yeah, truth be told. But I mean, just looking at a perspective of different, you know, this kind of continues his trend of like he makes what he wants to make. And George Miller yeah. has always, sometimes he takes, you know, nine years to make a new movie. And, yeah. you know, it kind of sure. shows. It's like, yeah. When he's ready. But like yeah. throughout the movie, I did I did say this is totally Babe Pig in the City. Just like that. <laughs> Several times I, I said this is so babe pig in the city. But it is actually though. Yeah. <laughs> There's actually a lot of similarities to it. Um Yeah, I I actually enjoyed the film as well. So, you know, surprise here that it's uh I have a lot more to relate to the film. Um uh, as far as like, you the, look like Prince Mustafa. <laughs> Sorry, I yeah, had to say but I, you know, if I had the hair that'd be great, and then yes, I would I'd be happy to look like Prince Mustafa. Is it because he um, played a, a sitar with other hands coming out and it was like you? It was it was magic. <laughs> it sounded Bill Seduce. That's why he's on the pod. I was like, oh shit! I was like, I was I was rocking out. I was like, I'm oh, very familiar about this fucking scene where the gin brought out the food and Bill was like, I'd like a bite of that. Yeah. <sighs> the pistachio, yeah. I wanted that. It melts in your mouth. Um, <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> Bill's like something else. <laughs> Bill's like, yeah, I got Bill, something else to melt in your mouth too. Put it away, you nasty son. You nasty bastard! <laughs> I got something in a million mouth. Jesus! I enjoyed I enjoyed the film. I, there's a lot for me to relate to it, though. the The gin and the history on that is is very much part of like my culture and um, religion. But also some of the stories that were told about um, Prince Mustafa, about Queen of Sheba, Suleiman, like all those are are kind of like Arabic and uh, Turkish history that I'm very familiar with, and so they they're they're all twists obviously they're not the, the way they're telling things isn't actually real but is it like um, a forrest gump like he was there for it moment kind of thing like i was there yeah this that's kind of right that's exactly what it was but like an arab world yeah so so it's all just it's cool to see that and i found that very intriguing on how he told that story um and uh from the perspective of the jinn and then the idea of jinns being around in the world and how they're being portrayed as kind of not really ghosts, but kind of ghosts, kind of thing. Like that's how we kind of look at it from my um, cultural perspective. So, I thought that that was just really cool to see on screen, and um, I enjoyed that perspective, um, his take on it, and, and what he brought to that. And I actually liked the once once I kind of figured out how this narrative structure was going to go about it being essentially all the short stories put in together. Um, I, I enjoyed that. Like you said, James, it probably would have done better without having the kind of present day thing. I, I probably would have enjoyed just seeing it kind of build up towards here I am now. Just look at it completely from um, the Jin's perspective from the start. But and Because I think like near the end with Tilda Swinton's character, um, Alethea, like that's where a lot of the momentum stops it slows down a lot and things kind of just like not that it's bad it is it's mm. you know she's she's aging and also looking for love and i like how that story ended um on her part but um it really did kind of slow things down from where it was going and into where he was at now so i do think that took a little bit away from where we're from everything else that was going on in the movie um, that. yeah but i mean from from everything else i I, I really did actually enjoy um, a lot of what this film had to bring. And I know we talked a lot about the leads and, and we enjoyed some of the acting and we talked about the story itself, but um, there was a lot more to just the visuals and then the music. I mean, did anything, uh, Marco, to you, um, anything kind of you connect with or resonate to as far as, you know, the, the actual directorial style of uh, George Miller in this film? I... I do like the cinematography in this. I do agree there. And I do agree with you, Nabil, that all the, the storytelling, when it, when it gets into the storytelling, that's where the movie shines. And that's where it, it is, you know, interesting. Um, I liked how it went through, like, the different timelines and you, you got to know more about the djinn. I do agree also that the Tilda Swinton scenes are kind of what hold the movie back. But I think it's because it's all just in one location. Like I felt like the narrative would have been better if it breathed a little bit. And if, you know, they would go, you know, go back to modern times and they're in a different location or so just the hotel guy, yeah. and he's, and he, you know, he, he just tells these stories, boom, 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 one after another. 
and I felt that that kind of like held like the narrative down a little bit and didn't make it like stick as well. There's also like I know Tilda Swinton's like looking, I guess, looking for love or whatever without the movie, yeah. but they don't really emphasize that. You're you're seeing it more from the Jin's perspective, and he's the one looking for love. He's the one that's saying like, I lost this love, I lost that love, and I'm looking for that feeling again. And I think it would have been better if they just would have had like this back and forthness. Like you have one story from her that she talks about her past and that's it. And it makes it seem like she's kind of like checked out rather than, you know, her talking about her experiences with, with love. And I feel like if it would have had that back and forthness and you would have feel like, Oh, these two have like a common ground. It would have clicked. She was, she was unrelenting each story. And then it was near that last story that he had that she started to break. But it did seem all very all of a sudden, right? Mm-hmm. So I agree with that. Where then she makes her wish, and it's it's a very, you know, it's it's her greatest desire kind of thing. But right. it's like the, the way that they were building towards that. I agree, Marco. They had a little bit more of her kind of bring down her guard in between those stories because she kind of held steadfast up until mm-hmm. essentially the that last, last part. One, yeah. yeah. Oh, I was gonna uh, say because uh, of that, it felt like a two movies having a tug of war. It felt like two separate movies into one. That's the kind yeah. of feeling that I got. I, I would say like it, it it's through these stories that she's like falling in love with them, right? Basically, right. Mm-hmm. and it uh, yeah, I agree. That's one of the weaker points, though. Is like I, I I never fully believed in it, even at the end. Uh, I even told Mike this thing got more endings than Return of the King, man. Like <laughs> I don't know when the fuck this thing's gonna end, dude. I'm like, okay, never mind. Okay, we're still here. Uh, I have a feeling they they stayed in that thing because of COVID, by the way. The room. The film was shot during COVID, right? It was shot in because it was delayed. Yeah, yeah. So I have a feeling. I have a feeling that was because of that, and that's why. Do you notice like every other scene is only just open like one other person at any given yeah. time? Some so, people there. There's not like a lot of like. There's, I mean, there's a few scenes with people, but there's a lot. Most of the scenes with the big name actors is just like one on ones. So yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. So this might be also a result. This is a COVID movie, so kind of weird. Huh. That's a good point. I and, and James, what was your thought? I mean, I know we've already kind of talked about the romance part of it, but was there anything that else that kind of stood out from you from uh, from either on the plot of romance or maybe another scene that just really helped make you enjoy the film a bit more? Um, I mean, I, I, I'm just echoing you guys. A lot of the, the stories were the greatest ones. I really liked the story of the last one, too, by the way, uh, with Etsky, by the way. No. Uh, the girl that uh, got the knowledge and, you know, then when she wishes them away, I thought that was a pretty great scene overall. I, I think it's an interesting way of how they told the story, though. But then there's like a lot of things that like I feel like there's things that don't get resolved. Like, especially, like they go back and like even the neighbors are like, there's a plot about that. And then it doesn't really seems, go no it seems kind of just weird that they're yeah. there. I was like, so, yo, this is does not need to be here. Like we can this last part the last thirty minutes could be cut to like fifteen. Yeah. Easily. And then it's like and then I know I mean well that's going spoiler wise. We'll talk about spoiler. But um I like the way it ended, I guess too. Yeah, the very end was really good, but I do think that just there's a lot of uh unanswered parts at, Truthfully, at the end. I'm not gonna lie, it's really that last thirty minutes that bombs it for me, man. Yeah. I'm like, Agreed. what the hell, dude? I'm like, why? Why was this seems like Marco's saying it does seem like another movie. Like, is this like mm-hmm. the extended fucking? Epilogue? They never like, explain Jesus. like the. They never explain why. And I know it's a little bit of spoiler, but I'm not. We're not going to go into too much detail. But she's essentially seeing Jin, and that's never explained. Like why? Throughout the film, up until she gets a genie. I was like, Robin Williams told me. <laughs> That you can't be getting people back from the dead. So what is this bullshit going yeah. on? It doesn't. It doesn't explain you any can't of that. Have anybody fall in love? You can become a prince or princess, but no, this is a bullshit. Yeah, I was like, mm, somebody give me the rules. No, I mean, <laughs> yeah, actually, I forgot about that beginning part where she she passes out. You could almost yeah. think of it like, was it all in her head the whole time? Right? Like, right. That's true. She bumped her head. And she died. Actually, Mary. She insane. What a twist. <laughs> was there? Uh, uh, Marco, was there anything that you would want to see less of, or you were? I know we kind of talked about restructuring the the film a bit, but you said that there was maybe some takes that you feel you could have changed a bit to improve upon the film. What what specifically do you think that would have been? Just the the whole 
the whole narrative, like have it more fluid between the past and the present. You know, it, it, it just felt like one time period was interrupting another because of the way it was told. I, I again, I feel like if it was kind of, if it was allowed to breathe more and he tells a story and again, like I understand because of COVID, they couldn't go to, you know, different locations, but have like, the day pass by like they're having like different types of food breakfast dinner lunch have an evolution of events happen and oh, just 10 minutes um, hey, he's exactly. like i don't know what time it is right now bro. <laughs> i'm like, I'm like even the breakfast you still <laughs> your <robes? laughs> even the princess bride gives me that you know what i mean like it's like it takes the whole day for the dude to tell him the story and it's just I feel like it didn't really give that sense of time passing by for them mm. to just, just like kind of cl- just like the movie Clifford as well. More in short, no. I uh, that fucking red dog scares me. James, don't ever bring not it up again. Clifford the oh, dog, the Clifford, the other Clifford, Clifford, the boy. Oh. He's telling the story. Oh shit! And the kid's God trying damn. to escape the whole time, but it's at least telling you like, hey, things are happening in between. Like, hey, right. now he's in a different room at least for the love of God, right? Like. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I, I agree with with you guys that there's the stupid side plot with with the racist neighbors, which I'm, I'm like, why? Is it even a side I, plot? So it's like two scenes, like yeah, almost, it's yeah. two scenes that are almost back to back. By the way, I'm like, this yeah. can just be cut. Just no mm-hmm. no point to it at all. Like, yeah, the, really was no. It just sh- was it just to show that she's like not well liked in her neighborhood, and she's like, yeah, but it seems very overt. Yeah, I guess that she feels like alone, maybe. But considering he, he made a movie, considering he George Miller uh, did a movie where the lead, the main character, doesn't say all but like two words, I I think he could have done that a little better, <laughs> you know, yeah. showing that she was alone. And yeah, it, you know, it, it did feel like the the ending did drag on a little bit. Could have maybe like tightened it a little bit better and have a little bit more of an explanation, kind of like what James is saying, like, all, all right, but how? Yeah, you know. Yeah, so I think we can talk. Yeah. yeah, I think we can talk a little bit just to, since that's our bigger hangups. The last thirty minutes, we'll talk about that in spoilers. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we do, let's uh, talk about our rating. See what we thought about the film. Um, and I'll go with you, James. How many uh, stars did you give it? It's probably too high, but I give it three. Yeah. I probably, I probably <laughs> rewatch this. This is another movie. I was like, if I probably rewatch this, this might be a better run because I like yeah. George Miller, man. Yeah, I'm not lie. Nothing wrong with that score. I like that. What about you, Marco? Uh, I like George Miller, too, a lot. I've rewatched a lot of his movies. I give this one two stars. I would not rewatch this one. Sorry, George. Love you, bro, but this one's not for me, man. You're a fan. Dang, bro. That is so babe pig in the city. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't watch that one, either. I'd watch Happy Feet. That movie's great, you son of a bitch. That's a good movie. Anyways, <laughs> just three yeah, and a half like stars. Now, now you heard the feelings. I'm gonna make you watch it, you son of a bitch, when when you lose the fucking Oscar thing again. He's gonna fucking like, get right. you that Blu-ray right now. He's gonna come to the house and drop it off and watch shit. Um I give this film three and a half stars. I, I really did enjoy it. I know I didn't talk too much about how much uh, of all the specifics, but there was it's there's not a lot in the film to, to really talk about without I was even shocked the stories it's actually very only thin, an hour and you know? 40 something minutes long man yeah there's there's not like too much to really progress there's just little stories and some of the stories some people may already know of and they just take a creative twist on it but i think it's just well put together um but there are some hang-ups with unfortunately the present day stuff versus when the stuff they were in the past like we talked about but we'll touch on spoilers um, i would i would say though um if you are on the fence of watching this and our podcast will premiere before this this saturday september 3rd yeah i'm dating ourselves but Every ticket is three dollars to see any movie in any format. So at all the major movie chains, take yeah. a stab at it. I think it's still worthwhile because this movie, quite frankly, needs the help. But uh, I think some people will, you know, find, maybe find something. And also for three bucks, agree. There was only about like six people in my theater, so you know, I need you know get some people. Yeah, in you can, uh, come out. go out and um, do it. So, but I mean, I'm a big supporter of theaters, so. World Cinema Day on Saturday, this September third. Yeah. Go see some movies. Agreed. All right, um, so we're gonna go into spoilers in just a moment here. Just talk a little bit about the ending. Um, not too much. If you haven't seen the film yet, hoping that you go watch it. 
like James said, on September 3rd. It's a great time to watch it for $3, a movie. Um, but definitely skip ahead if you don't want it ruined for you. And we'll go and talk about how you can get in contact with us and as well as what movie we'll be watching next. Um, otherwise, we'll jump into spoilers in just a moment. All right, so on to the spoilers. So the last 30 minutes of the film, essentially, uh, Abigail, she, uh, I'm sorry, Al- Alethea. <laughs> I don't know. Like, who the fuck is Abigail? Abigail. Yeah. <laughs> Alethea, um, she essentially asks the djinn that she, to have the kind of romantic passion that he's had for the last person that um the, his his last kind of quote-unquote uh master and uh she wants to experience that same feeling the same love and so he grants her that wish and she uh, essentially takes him home with her to uh to back to london from istanbul um and then during that time you know they have they, they have a, a relationship but um He's having some trouble living um, in London because of all the uh, electromagnetism in the air and all the technology and Jin apparently work off of uh, electromagnetism. So he's he, he can't really stay there. Um, so she essentially kind of lets him go, lets him be free. And I, I would uh, also say, I mean, technically, he's also kind of stuck there because he doesn't want her to use her last wish. Right. Mm-hmm. Because he's in love with her, and then be, yeah. by doing that, when a djinn stays in like the too long, overstays their welcome, they get like sick or some shit. I guess is that what it was? I thought it was because he was he couldn't stay there for too long. Is how I understood it because of electromagnetism. That's why he comes back. Um, so the thing is that he comes back every few years and visits her um, within her quote lifetime is what he always says. I felt it more like it was just like hey, it's just. Because he's he's been there too long. Like it's supposed to be one, two, and three. And then. I thought but it was like a that's mix what I'm saying. She oh, gave him the three wishes, though. Because there's the there's the point there's the part where he's like says Jin aren't supposed to sleep, and it's like I felt because he was kind of like letting his guard down too. He was like he started doing losing things, his right? power, you know, and starting to let his guard down, falling asleep. He's like, oh shit, I'm not supposed to do that because I'll die, you know. I was like, this man is going to need a bottle of lotion, though, because <laughs> it's all the dust. It's all the dust. I was like, whoa. I think his shoulder caved in. But, you know, so this is this is where we said a lot of the things start slowing down in the film. I, mean, start I was like, does, it, does it matter? Yeah, I was like, yeah. yeah. Something happens. I don't know. What do you, <laughs> what is, what's kind of, how do you think it really hurt the film? Like, why do you think that this really did change the tone so drastically and kind of slow things down? They don't go back to the past to tell us a cool story. <laughs> I need to see all this cool magic. Because <laughs> the story isn't that interesting compared to the <laughs> shit he's been telling. Like, oh, this well, this kind of sucks. Pretty much, which is why I felt like they should have let her breathe a little bit, man. Could have spaced it out. out. They could have had that at the end, and then it could have just been. Uh, it's almost like over-explaining the ending at this point, right? Yes and no, because <laughs> I mean, they they never <laughs> they never really explain like what happens to him and shit, and like why they're able to see each other again. Really, like it's like oh, okay. He just comes back because I feel like he, he goes to the land of the gym. Mm-hmm. She frees him. She does the. Uh, she pulls a Robin Williams. Genie, you're free. And then it's a return of Jafar. He comes back. <laughs> yeah, he's back. Baby. And then he goes. Thanks, Al. And then he leaves. <laughs> and then he fucking. And then he's just free. And he then, sees like, the world and comes back. Jonathan saves him is uh, Jafar in this in this case. He's like, mm-hmm. oh, I'll take him. No, in this one, he goes back. He's like, he goes to the general. Apparently, like he's like a Green Lantern. He needs to charge up, and he comes back every three years or some shit, right? That's how I fucking read it. Oh man, you got the yeah. Lantern. He charges up. Now I'm good. Come back. No, he's good. Years. He's good for a few else. weeks. He so yeah. can make it. Kind of. Te- I know it sounds like. A I joke, mean, that's kind of how it is. No, that's you're right. Like, kind of under pressure. Like he said, yeah, we go there, and that's where we get to finally rest and regain mm. and talk about our stories with each other i'm like okay but then he chooses to come back yeah because you know it's like uh you know when genie came back with a goofy hat on you know because he went to do <laughs> <laughs> marco knows exactly what i'm talking about yeah. <laughs> he wore a hawaiian shirt guys at the end he was gonna go party okay any th- any additional thoughts from you marco as far as how the ending is or anything to improve upon there uh i was just glad the movie was finally over <laughs> I was like, oh He's my like, god! Like the movie is not that long. It's like an hour and forty-five minutes long, and it felt like three hours for me. Marco asked me to watch it with him again. When I, yeah. I was like, yeah, I ain't seen that twice. As, as soon as he He's said that, I was like, oh fuck! 
what have I got myself into? And then, uh, so I asked my brother, I was like, hey, you want to watch the George Miller movie? He was like, oh, yeah, George Miller, all right. We're watching this. We're like halfway through. And I'm just like, fuck. This I like how you gave dude. no context. You teed it up with, it's a George Miller film. It should be yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. like, it's, it's oh, he, he tried to research it. He, he tried to research it. I was like, no, 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 no let's go in blind. Let's He's go in like, blind. He's like, what is this? You're like, I don't know, Babe Pig in the City? I guess, I don't know. Jesus, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we just we just talked about all the fucking George Miller movies we'd rather see in this movie, and it's just it's not that the story was bad; it's just the way it was told was not good. It's like it's like having a bad storyteller, dude. It's some motherfucker who doesn't know how to tell a story, just like that's all right, a dude. bad storyteller yeah. for a film that's telling a story. Yeah, I'm like, all right, dude. Like, fuck, man. The sequence of events, you got to spread them out a little bit. Some of the past, yeah. some of the present. You know, there we go. But um, yeah, I, I think I've pretty much said everything I, did, I didn't like and what I would. Yeah, there isn't. I don't think there's. I think we're just kind of dragging on with this thing. Yeah. Like again, it's the only real reason I even give it as high a score. I think is because I just related James, more James to a lot of things here. Text. He, yeah. Says, Bro, please watch Babe in the City. Damn it. No, I said that's so babe picking the city. So <laughs> typical of you guys. Well, that is the end of the podcast there. Podcast number 132. Thanks everybody for listening. Um, once again, please leave us some feedback, response, and reviews. Uh, Marco, let them know how they can reach us. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Movie Pals Pod, because we are the Francis Ford Coppola podcast. Take that, film friends. Get out of here. Also, if you use Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Amazon Music, or Newsly, hit that subscribe button and you'll never miss an episode. For those of you who are listening to us for the first time, thank you for giving us a chance. We hope that you're in it for the long run. You're joining just another double feature. We're doing a back-to-back, baby. Can't stop, won't stop. Bad boys for life. Eh-eh, eh-eh, eh-eh. Anyway, rate us and review us. Share us. Tell your friends about us. Thank you very much, Marco. And tune in next time, everybody, for episode 133. We will be reviewing the new Disney Plus original film, Pinocchio. So until then, this is James. And Marco. And Nabil. Have a great one. <laughs>